Hey everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend on Spotify or wherever you guys are listening to the podcast. I am the host, Josh Sanchez, and the purpose of Your Spiritual Best Friend is to connect spirituality, mental health, and astrology all in one because it's important for everyone to realize that we are all on our own spiritual journey at the end of the day. So the more we open up, the more we are able to connect with each other and grow as a collective society. So sit back and relax and enjoy your spiritual best friend. Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode talks about the story of Lisa Tahir. Lisa is a licensed clinical social worker and has had a passion for helping people ever since she was five years old. The topics that we're going to cover in our podcast today range from psychoastrology to spirituality, emotional help, and even relationships. You can check out all of Lisa's work as she's a host of a podcast and also a creator of the book, titled The Chiron Effect, which connects astrology and psychology to really help understand our deep-rooted trauma. You can check out all of Lisa's work by clicking in the links in the show description. And to all my listeners, if you guys want to work with Lisa, you guys can get half off your first session. All you have to do is mention the podcast, Your Spiritual Best Friend, to Lisa. But without further ado, here is my podcast with Lisa. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend. I am your host, Josh Sanchez, and I'm here with a very special guest, Lisa. Lisa, how are you doing today, and what's going on? Josh, I'm doing awesome because I'm starting my day with you on your show, Your Spiritual Best Friend. Thank you for having me. Of course, and just like I said before, before we record and stuff, thank you for reaching out and, and wanting to be a guest on this podcast. And that leads me right to my first question, uh, Lisa. So for you, um, I know when it comes to, I've been doing a lot of research on the work you do and stuff, you do a lot of work. Where did that passion for psychoastrology and all that stuff really stem from for you? Thank you, Josh. You know, I, I believe it stems from ever since I was young, I've been just so curious about everything and interested and just like love going down rabbit holes of different topics that interest me. And, you know, I I knew I wanted to be a therapist of some sort ever since I was five. And my parents found a note I had scribbled that said, I want to be a psychiatrist. And in some ways, that's like kind of cute and funny. But in another way, it's a little concerning. Why would a five-year-old want to be a psychiatrist or even know about that? And I knew (laughs) it related to I grew up in a family where there was a lot of dysfunction. And though I didn't know that was the case being so young, just certain things didn't feel good. And I grew up, you know, like there were definitely like wonderful, happy moments, but there were also really challenging ones that challenged my emotions and just my kind of development. And I started therapy as a young person at 21. And when I went into therapy, I knew like, this is what I want to do with my life is help other people make sense of their experiences. Because your inner guidance system, your emotions tell you when something's wrong, even if adults around you are saying it's right. And 
if there's one thing I wish I would have known younger is like to trust that inner guidance system, regardless of what other people are saying with their words, because often people who aren't in alignment, they might act one way and say another thing, but you can always perceive and pick up on that regardless of how young you are. And that really drove my journey into the healing arts and wanting to help myself and others to grow and change and transform. Wow, Lisa. And I will say from someone that has also experienced a lot of like family trauma and growing up in a very like stressful environment, I too also have a very similar journey and a similar passion as well to help people. I'm currently, just to share a little bit, I'm currently in graduate school trying to become a mental health counselor. Um, So to hear, to hear like your insight and stuff, even from like a young age, like just re- like, like you said, like we all have like that inner voice or like that intuition yes. that like gut feeling that's like telling us like, Hey, like something is going on here. Despite what our parents are telling us or our caretakers are telling us, we know deep down that there's something going on. And like you said, Lisa, it's definitely, especially being young, like, you know, we, we listen to our adults, you know, we kind of yes. push that to the side, but we should really tap into that feeling. Um, and that just leads me right to my next question, Lisa, like, Like, I know, like, growing up and stuff, I know you grew up in a very, like, just stressful environment and stuff. Why do you think, I know you mentioned a little bit on your last answer, but, like, why do you really think, like, as children, we kind of push that feeling aside? And first of all, I want to say I think it's awesome you're in graduate school. Congratulations on you being a mental health professional and counselor. It's, like, awesome. So I'm excited you're doing that for yourself, too. Thank you. You're welcome. And why I think we push that inner knowing aside, I mean, because we're, we're young and we don't have the power that we do as an adult. And we do depend on our caretakers to guide us. And I think in every child, it's like an innate trust of the adults around us that they are given to take care of us and lead us and protect us. And for some people that happens really seamlessly and really well. And I think it's wonderful that they're, you know, and I think nowadays more conscious parents, more aware parents that because of what they grew up with, they want to do it differently than, you know, other parents. And so yes to you who are reaching out and going to therapy and there's so much available now more easily, I think, than in years past. And, you know, I think it's just centered in children, trust those who are older around. And and it's scary when you're young and you know something's wrong and who do you turn to. So, you know, there might not be a lot of options. So, you know, definitely a teacher um, to speak out to, you know, kids are also so resilient that children have a deep capacity to heal and change. I think even more quickly, that's what resilience is to bounce back than even older people. So does that answer the question? Oh yeah, definitely, Lisa. It, it's it's spot on. I, as I was just hearing your answer, I was just like nodding in agreement because I was just like, yeah, like it, it definitely makes sense. You know, like I, I really like your term resiliency as well. And and for children that do experience a lot of just like intense and stressful environments growing up, you know, 
um, they do have more of the capability to be resilient, which is to bounce back and to overcome adversity and to understand like where you're coming from to really like grow as a person and take that next step. You know, there's a lot of resilient stories that we we hear a lot of and stuff. So as I was hearing your answer, Lisa, I was like, yeah, this this definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, but just continuing our conversation when it like sticking to like the mental health field and stuff, I know you've been into the, in the mental health industry for quite some time now. Like wh- how have you seen it evolve since the time you started to where you are now? Oh, that's a great question, Josh. I've been in the men- mental health field since 1996 when I started graduate school to get my master's in social work. And here we are in 2022. And what I've seen is a real uh, awesome just incorporation of more spirituality, of more mindfulness-based practices, of meditation, and really how tapping into what we believe about the things we can't see or feel, but guide and direct our lives, which is what I consider to be aspects of spirituality. Like, what do you believe? And I've started to ask clients, um, you know, and I did it when I was younger, but there wasn't a lot of others encouraging that. Hey, like, what do you believe about God? And sometimes a client would kind of look at me like, I didn't expect that. And I'm like, or however you define whatever's greater than you, like, do you believe something's greater than you? And, you know, oftentimes people didn't, especially when bad things had happened to them. Like it really affected their belief in a loving being, a loving presence to guide them. Because if that, if that was so, why did all these bad things happen? And I think that's been the age all question, you know, and, and to me, it's the reconciliation in that is that there is a loving presence, but it's people that choose to connect to that presence or not. And unfortunately, some caretakers choose not to be in touch with their own healing and that loving presence and guidance. And that's, you know, wounded people wound others. And that's where abuse and trauma comes from. Wounded people who aren't getting the aid and assistance and help and treatment they need. So they just do the same things, inflict the same kinds of pain. And that's who's ended up in my office a lot of the time. And so besides reworking how to trust yourself, how to trust others, how to also believe in a presence that is loving, available to you to really open up your spirituality and develop it for the first time, or go back to what you believed was true at a younger age. And I also believe meditation is a powerful tool to find inner peace and every morning to align with that. And I'll just pause there, Josh, and see what are you thinking about about this? Oh, oh yeah, Lisa. As I was really thinking, I just wanted to ask, uh, you, you said a really powerful quote, and I definitely think that's going to be the quote of the podcast. Like you said, like wounded people wound others. And like, I know for you, like being in the, in the mental health field and also power, power to you for getting, you know, like going to grad school. I know it's definitely a lot of work. Um, so power to you for also getting Thank into you. this profession as well. Um, but yeah, Lisa, at once I heard that statement, I was like, yeah, like it, like that's something that really hit home, you know, like wounded people really do like wound others. And I know for you, like you've had a lot of experience working with people and trying to help them refine themselves and regain themselves. And that just leads me right to my next question that I was really thinking about. Um, like what's some advice or like what, what's, what's like the first steps. So let's say you are a wounded person that has some like 
obviously we all need to like find like our spiritual, our spiritual selves. And we really need to find ourselves. What's like the first steps for them to take, to really help them grow and, and grow as a person and really understand themselves. I think the first step is what you were just saying is the recognition that, Hey, like I have some work to do on myself. Like I have some areas to clean up, to, to learn, to grow in. I know when I was 21, I just knew coming out of the family that I came out of, I didn't have all of the skills, you know, to be the most healthy adult. And I didn't want to repeat some of the patterns, um, in my family that I experienced. And so I started therapy to learn really how to love and care about myself more, because when you do that, you're going to have a greater capacity to love and care for others. And it's through taking personal responsibility. Once you realize there's some, you know, there's some shit here that needs to be cleared and cleaned up, it's my responsibility to do it. And so for me, personal responsibility is really a big Thing. I talk about it in my book that you mentioned, The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness, that though the things you've experienced, especially the bad things, the traumatic things, the things around abuse and such weren't your fault, it is still your responsibility to address those issues, those experience, those wounds, those vulnerabilities, and to heal. And I believe it's through having self-empathy and compassion for, you know, what you didn't know at the time, for instance, and, you know, getting those skills and, and such now, and it's a process. I mean, I've been in and out of therapy for over 25 years, and so it might not be that for everyone, but for me as a mental health professional, it's been important to be in my own process because when you work with the pain of others, it's important to have an outlet to go speak about those things and work through what clients might bring up for you. And so for me, that's been just really important to have integrity and and be on that you know, that healing journey and and such like that. But for anyone listening who is on the edge of the spectrum, because one is more on the side where you've been victimized and experienced trauma. And the other end of the spectrum, spectrum is you're the perpetrator of those traumas. And I think the path looks similar, though the work is different in the recognition of the things that need to be healed within you. And then having the courage to reach out to a professional and start that journey. Have you guys heard about Anchor by Spotify as being the easiest way to make a podcast? Let me explain. It's free. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Best of all, when even hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, like I said before, Anchor is totally free. So pick up your phones, laptops, or whatever you use and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope to hear your podcast.
I know you mentioned in your previous answer about your book. I know every book, I, I love authors that come on this podcast because I know every book has like a story or behind it or like a, or like a passion behind it. Um, what led you to, to create your book, um, The Chiron Effect? Sure, Josh. I felt like it was just the next step. I had always wanted to write a book and there's so many notes that I had scribbled down about all kinds of topics, but somehow this Chiron thing, C-H-I-R-O-N, came up for me in meditation about, at this point now, it was maybe six years ago, and I kind of heard that in meditation and didn't really know what that was about. And I started Googling Chiron and honestly wasn't very impressed. Like it talked about Chiron being both a minor planet and a comet in the solar system discovered by astronomy. It has an odd elliptical orbit, which made it noteworthy in astronomy, um, orbiting between the planets of Saturn and Uranus. I was like, okay, cool. And then in Greek mythology, Chiron is the founding father of the healing arts. He was a centaur, half man, half horse. And he was shot by an arrow meant for Hercules and was put in touch with the pain of human frailty being in a body and begged Zeus to trade his life Uh, for immortality. And I was like, okay, cool story. And then in astrology, it talks about Chiron being a planet, just like, you know, you might know your sun sign, you might know your rising sign, you might know your moon. Chiron is also like that. There's a sign in Chiron, like Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Scorpio, based on your day of birth and your date of birth and your time of birth. And so I started to do a little research into that just as the universe might kind of prod you into a direction and kind of like keep bringing it up in different ways over and over and over again until you finally get it and start to like act on that inspiration, act on what's being shown to you. And it led me to write my book over two and a half, three years, incorporating astrology as the diagnostic point to find out based on your date of birth, where Chiron is in your chart. And then based upon principles of psychology, spirituality, and that taking responsibility piece, what that means for you. And Chiron reveals a meaning in every sign. For instance, if your Chiron and Aries, it reveals an area of vulnerability up to and including a core wounding in your sense of your value and worth. And that plays out like you might be successful outwardly. People might think you're just the bomb, like you have it all together. And in so many ways you actually do, but inside of yourself, privately, your self-esteem, you feel like you're never good enough. And so you're on this like wheel of performance. You have to keep achieving. And you see this with a lot of CEOs that end up killing themselves that like they are rich, they are have everything you think that would make a person happy in life, but inside they're not. And it's because it's it's about developing the ability to value yourself, your own worthiness, which isn't based on your performance. It's just based in who you are and how loved you are in that spiritual sense. And 
again, Chiron and Taurus reflects a core wounding or vulnerability by neglect. This is where you might have experienced sexual abuse or trauma in your past and so on. Like Chiron and the signs reveal an area of vulnerability or wounding that you've experienced. And I give practical takeaway steps that you can start using to heal as well as affirmations. And um, it's kind of like a self-help you know, I walk you through some of what I experience and have healed from in my life. There's journal prompts. So it's a real good starting place to get you in that process and get into your awareness what area you might need to focus your healing on to um, to just become happier in your life. Wow, Lisa. And as I was hearing your answer, like I was like, I was like, man, I, I want to know what my my Chiron uh, my Chiron sign is because uh, I I know I know like when it comes to astrology because I do like to connect a little astrology aspect into the podcast as well. And I usually just have guests like we'll just talk about like what's your sun sign and stuff. Um, but I, I definitely think it's really cool when it comes to this like this Chiron effect and and like this Chiron part of your charts. Like I like you said, like it's that power of like self worth. But my my next question, just like when it comes to how can we find our own like our own like our Chiron like parts in our chart sure <laughs> well in my book there's both the chart and there's an interactive website where you can enter your date of birth and your place of birth if you have your time of birth you can put that in but it's not necessary to generate your Chiron placement your time of birth gives you the house that Chiron is in, the astro one of 12 astrological houses, which reveals the area of your life that this vulnerability or wounding manifests, meaning like, is it in the workplace versus in your intimate relationships or is it in your self-esteem? But once you know your Chiron sign, you're, you'll just know innately where it is that this is presented in your life. Like that won't be a mystery. And, you know, if Josh, do you, I'll see if I can find it quickly. What is your month? And year of birth. Oh yeah, I'm I'm down for this. this. is cool. Um, but yeah, so my month I was born in May. Okay. And then, um, yeah, my birthday is May fifteenth, and then my year was nineteen ninety eight. Okay, let me see. If you want to just talk about something, I'm I'm I have to look at this <laughs> part of my book. Um. Oh no, it's it, it's all good. Uh, this is great. Um, I I really think Lisa again, like you really bring a lot of great insight into this, and it's really cool to connect with somebody else that is also into like obviously the mental health field, but also into like that astrology aspect too. And um, and the fact that you have a whole book created about all this stuff is is great, and it's really cool to hear. Like when, as you were describing, I was like, wow, like like this is really cool. Like I'm really fascinated by this. So. Credit to you again for for doing that and thank and you. I really so it's showing here that your Chiron would be in the sign of Scorpio, which has to do with a core wounding or vulnerability in the experience and expression of power, meaning that um, you might have been bullied as a younger person, as a child, or by a sibling. Um, you know, experience power being abusive versus aligned power. And I know you spoke about some trauma in your background. So that would definitely be a misuse of power by caretakers in your life who are supposed to say protect, you know, versus versus hurt you. And the key to healing this pattern is in progressively trusting your ability to be vulnerable and feel safe 
because sometimes that might have felt scary for you to be vulnerable, to really let your inner self show, you know, for fear of being rejected or, or hurt by others. Is any of this feeling true to you? Oh yeah, definitely. That's that's definitely uh I in my last podcast, actually, uh it's actually crazy, Lisa, how like the universe works sometimes. But in my last podcast, I talked about really like the power of like self-reflection. And for me, like I recognize like during times of like high stress and stuff, I do tend to very like suppress everything. Like I'll like I'll isolate myself, like and like it's that vulnerability part. Like it's it's that fear of being vulnerable, and then obviously the person taking that vulnerability. Uh, to like an a negative way or a positive, yes. you know what I mean? It's that fear of that. So for me, I, when I'm very stressed or a lot of stuff's going on, I tend to self-isolate myself and like really like keep it within myself. So as I was hearing you describe that, I was like, yeah, like um, it's that fear of being vulnerable. I can definitely relate to that. So I, 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 th- I think it's, it's spot on. Um, I had a feeling it was going to be, but even, <laughs> even now it's like, on another level, I'm like, dang. <laughs> and I think for you, it's really about, because um, it's like that little one inside of you, that younger self that is fearful of if you're vulnerable, when I'm overwhelmed and stressed versus like, even if you identify one trusted person in your life and ask them, hey, I usually isolate when I'm overwhelmed and stressed. Would it be okay if I come to you to start practicing how to be a bit more open? Because that's really what, what your inner self wants is to be able to be open and seen and heard in that place of being stressed and overwhelmed and have it be safe. So maybe you can consider, you know, identifying someone in your life to practice that with. Yeah, definitely. And and I definitely think that's something that I have, especially recently, I have like opened up to do that. Um, and, and I will say like, yeah, I have been feeling a lot better when it comes to that, Lisa. And it's, it's really crazy. It's crazy how accurate, um, astrology in general is, but even like this aspect of it, the, uh, the Chiron, that's really cool. Um, if you're, if you're willing to share with like, with yourself, like what is your own Chiron as well? Sure. My Chiron is in the sign of Aries, which speaks to that vulnerability and wounding in one sense of value and worth. And that really struck a chord with me because I've been that person believing that it's through achievement that I'm going to feel worthy. I'm going to feel enough. And also this placement has to do with overcoming performance-based love. And I grew up in a family where it's like, you know, versus love being freely given, you had to do a lot of shit to get it. And so it's established this pattern within me of kind of overworking or not kind of definitely overworking, over giving, over everything to the point of exhaustion to try to source some love, try to source some approval. And I realize now it's just because my parents didn't know how to do that for themselves. So how could they do that for me if they never felt good enough. They never felt worthy or loved. And so now I can just kind of, you know, let it all be like writing a book was something really important to me. And I'm so glad that I've done it. I'm sure at some point there'll be another book, but I don't feel rushed to do it. And the old me would have felt like, oh my gosh, you need to like start writing your second book for that. Again, that achievement-based gratification or praise. And instead it's like, I just want to really rock out the one that I wrote and do interviews like this and just really enjoy 
what I've created. And so that's key in healing the Chiron and Aries is really enjoy what you've already created and like, you know, languish in it and, and just have more peace and fun and freedom. And, ah, just like, I'm good enough as I am. I want to first say thank you for being open to share because I know like when it comes to like this particular parts in our chart, you know, like deep wounded healing, you know, like it, for a lot of people, it can be very, it can be a challenge to really open up for that. So I just want to say firstly, thank you, Lisa, for being so open and to share your own, your own story and whatever you, and all the stuff that you experience within yourself, because it's important for us to open up and be vulnerable as well. So that way we can have really great conversations like these as well. So I just want to say again, power to you, Lisa, for for being able to open up and share. I, I appreciate that. You're welcome, Josh. And I talk in my book about it's really about being <laughs> like a witness to the people you're close to, a witness to their their experience. And then them witnessing you and not only just the good, but even the hard and challenging moments. It's like, it gives permission to share what you've overcome or what you're working to overcome or what you still don't understand. And like, you know, to just model authenticity. And I think it helps everybody just oh, kind of feel like they can really be themselves, which is what we all most deeply want. Yes, indeed. That we, we all want to really like be like our real, like healthy are really like just happy selves at the end of the day. Um, I know there's, there's just to add to our conversation. Like, I feel like as we get older, um, I, I just, I've realized this through like just talking with my friends and also doing podcasts with a lot of people. I definitely feel like because of like work and the pressures that we have as, especially in the United States, because our society values so much on productivity and, and, and material right. things that we tend to lose, like our inner child, things that make us happy. Um, I just realized like as we get older, like we do lose that and it's important for us to regain what is making us happy. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that as well. Cause I was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> yes, totally. All about that. I think every day and if not every day, every week to do something that feels like play to you, even if it's like, just take a walk around your neighborhood or in a local park, like to let yourself or go get an ice cream or, you know, do something that, put you in touch with that younger inner child, that part of you that, you know, just if you look at a child, if you look at a kitten or a puppy, like they're just all about pleasure and play and to let yourself do that in whatever way you would really like. And it's going to help your life. It's going to help you be more productive to allow that play. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Podcash as a collaboration between Racket and Stir. Podcash gave away over $100,000 to up-and-coming podcasters as a way to support insanely creative and inspiring podcasters. We know how difficult it can be to get a podcast off the ground and running, but with Podcash, it's a great way to get cash and best of all, it's all free for your podcast. So if podcasting has been on your to-do list or you're already a podcaster, go to podcast.com to stay up to date with future podcast happenings. That's again, podcast.com, P-O-D, 
C-A-S-H.com. I hope to see your future podcast. Hey guys, since you made it this far into the podcast, why not drop a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you guys listen to the podcast. And if you guys really like the podcast and really want to follow it, send it to a friend, family member, or anyone else that would really impact from listening to the podcast. Like I mentioned before, your subscriptions and your follows and everything would mean a lot to the podcast and help boost the podcast overall. So I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and continue to enjoy your spiritual best friend. Relationships, they are important. Like we learn a lot through the peers that we interact with and we all feed off of each other's energy. And this leads me right to my first question. So for for you, Lisa, um, what are some qualities that you really look for in your friend, in a friendship and even a romantic partner? Sure. It would definitely be, definitely be like kindness. Most basically just, you can kind of tell when you meet a person and you start spending some time with them, like, where's their heart at? Like where, where's their heart centered? And is it, you know, do they have an open heart, a closed heart or whatever degree on that spectrum? Cause I think at times we've all closed our hearts a bit, depending on what's happened, but are they able to open it again? And I think I, I allow just my innate inner guidance system. Like you're drawn to people, like you want to be close to them and other people you feel kind of like, Ooh, like a, a bit of distance. You might even feel repelled like a magnet, so to speak. And so I kind of let that sense that I have, like draw me to people and also push me away from people. And it's wonderful when the other person is on the same vibe as you, because it really is about vibration and you attract each other, be it friendship or romantically. And then it can be a little ouch, you know, when you're drawn to someone and they're not drawn to you or vice versa. And so in those situations, you know, I practice in meditation, just sending love to that person, sending love to this situation, because it could be some things that just need to be worked out within them or you, and you reconnect at another time. So I think just trust when you feel drawn to someone, explore it. And if you feel not drawn to someone or pushed away to really honor that as well. Yeah, it's sort of just like, as I was hearing your answer, Lisa, just trusting that intuition, that inner feeling that you have with yourself, like, hey, is this person, this energy, this person bringing, is this something that I'm vibing with? Is this something that I'm not vibing with? So really just trusting yourself and your intuition. So I was, I was hearing that. I was like, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that. Um, but just just uh, continuing, Lisa, I know like being in the mental field, I know you've, you've worked with like a lot of people and I definitely think a lot of clients have definitely probably mentioned a lot of like relationship troubles. And this leads right to my next question. Like, why do you think a lot of relationships tend to fail or tend to just like drift apart? Why, what do you think is like one of the root causes towards that? You know, I think that, you know, we're such complex beings individually and then you pair that with another <clears throat> complex being and you know some things naturally go well and others might kind of butt up against each other and and have some friction there and in like a sense that feels negative or is negative and i think it's in how you handle those 
those areas and topics that that don't work so well to be able to speak about them and be heard and then you know just listen and and defensiveness i think can be something that blocks intimacy that depending on how someone approaches you with something first of all could cause you to get defensive on the spot and <clears throat> excuse me put like a wall up and you know it becomes hard then to really meet there and so encouraging communication that can be like hey i have an issue with something i'd like to talk about it is this a good time if not when and to be as honest as you can and try to be open in the presence of that person speaking their truth you know and it might take a minute it might be like hey i need to think about this and get back with you about it cuz i am feeling defensive i am feeling judged like i'm i'm feeling like you're totally not getting me and you might want to come back to it or it might be in the moment hey um yes some of that fits for me here's what that's about i'm sorry or no that doesn't and cuz usually things that are issues are a combination of both people like you might be triggered because you had a caretaker that for instance never really saw you or heard you and you feel frustrated so when your partner is like not seeing the good things you're doing what you're contributing you might feel that same sense of being unseen so i think to try to have compassion you know i read it right in my book as well that knowing each other's chiron placement can help cuz that's where these patterns are sourced from and if you can know your partner's chiron is sourced in this pattern of say being neglected then you can know that the issues you're going to have might source around neglect and how can you better address that with each other so i think it's really being open and like a student of each other like really wanting to learn each other and how you tick with some compassion and trying to see each other as allies and friends versus the enemy that that can help kind of just smooth out so it's not a battlefield it's more of like this container of growth and change cuz in relationships we can grow so much and become more of who we came here to be what do you think about about this topic josh Oh yeah, Lisa, like just adding to like the conversation, I, I definitely think a lot of or the reason why a lot of relationships fail is similar to how like you feel like it comes down to like, are we doing like enough internal work within ourselves before we even are going into the relationship too? Because sometimes, because sometimes we project things and project what we are experiencing onto our partners as well. So it's just like, are we doing that inner work and are we are we are we doing that or are we like projecting that onto our partner? I think that's an important question that we need to ask ourselves in our relationships. So yeah, just to add, I, that's the only point I really wanted to add because I think everything else, Lisa, you said has been really spot on and and it's an important it's important because I mean we're all human. We all have relationships, whether that's with friends, whether that's with family, whether that's with loved ones, and it's important for us to have conversations like like these so that way we're able to find solutions so that way we're more mindful of our partners and mindful of ourselves so that way we're able to have healthy relationships and we're not just continuing the same generational cycle that our parents did that our grandparents did that our great-grandparents did you know because i i definitely think generational trauma is a whole other term um that that gets manifested in many different ways um but yeah i i think your answer was spot on lisa definitely i, I like where you bring in relationships being 
ever. I think relationships are everything. When you go to the grocery, you're having a relationship with the person checking you out. And in business, with your clients, with your coworkers, with your supervisors, you know, everything is a relationship. And when you decide within yourself, kind of that tone, that vibrational tone you want to have in your relationships, that I want to be understanding. I want to be authentic. I want to be kind, that that can set the tone for everything and everyone. So you're not like at the mercy of everyone else's mood. You know, you set the mood for yourself and your relationships. And when you enter a situation where someone's in a different vibration than that mood, you can excuse yourself usually, or, you know, go spend time with someone else, do something else to kind of, you know, not be again in situations that can even become toxic because you're trying to convince someone of something or battle it out to just kind of look for the path of most allowance and most ease as you go through your day in your relationships. Yes, I, I completely agree. Like, again, like every everybody that we surround ourselves with, again, like we feed off of each other's energy. So like you said, if we are, if we are, you know, like displaying negative energy and stuff, it just stresses out more of our own day, whether that's at the grocery store, whether that is, because all it takes is for you to lash back out at somebody, you know, an employee at a restaurant, and then they lash back out at you. Now your day just like you said, Lisa, just got more stressful than it needed to be. Um, So it's, it's important at the end of the day for us to just to wrap everything up to really just like do that inner work and really help ourselves and understand ourselves. And I definitely think through your book and, and through other resources that you have displayed on this podcast, we can do that. Um, and this is trans and we're just going to transition a little bit. Cause I know we talked about relationships and, and your journey and all that fun stuff. Um, I do really like to wrap everything up when it comes to the podcast. I do like to talk about astrology a little bit. I know for you, the fact that like you, you've written a whole book and you've tied astrology to it. What's your overall relationship with astrology and and where did it really start for you when it comes to your relationship with astrology? Sure. You know, I'm, I'm a psychotherapist, not an astrologer. So I'm, I'm bringing astrology into the book, into the conversation from a psychological perspective. It's such a complex symbolic language. And I even have a resource section in the back of my book, you know, directing you to some astrologers that I really think are awesome since that's not my area of expertise. I do understand and know about Chiron as far because Chiron is such a psychological placement in your chart having to do with vulnerability and wounding and healing and how that can be the missing piece for you to really be like, aha, this is, you know, the one area to to beef up, to fortify, to strengthen myself in that your patterns source from that you haven't really desired to see in your life. And by shifting that, it can be more of everything you desire. So I use astrology as like a diagnostic tool in my book from the perspective of Chiron. And again, I think it's such a beautiful symbolic language. And in another life, I would have spent time in astrology school and astrologer school and learn more because it's like these symbolic synergies between planets and this snapshot of the solar system when you were born. It's like a beautiful blueprint and paradigm. Yeah, I I completely agree, Lisa. Again, like uh, that's because like as I was studying more about psychology, um, astrology started to get 
the universe was starting to throw throw me more hints at astrology and i really wanted to to really take a deep dive into that and i completely agree i love that visualization it's like when we're born you know this is how the solar system was aligned and here's a snapshot of it and i definitely think that's a really cool way to visualize when it comes to our own astrology charts our own natal charts and stuff and and just like you said it's it's a very beautiful thing and and i definitely think in a past lifetime i, I definitely wasn't like like you said similar to you in astrology school and and learning about it because i definitely wish there was more resources in this lifetime because i definitely would have taken even on on a deeper level um but yeah I, I think your answer has been really great and spot on and everything that you've brought to the table in terms of um, adding like the, 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 the Chiron into the, into the discussion and, and really helping us understand ourselves. is important. Um, but to wrap everything up, I have all my guests that come on, like, this is where I usually Google like your astrology chart a little bit. Um, there's this website called the horoscope.co. It's a cool little website where all I do is I take your sun and moon sign and, uh, these people, they do little readings based off of that. So as, so as I give you your reading, Lisa, just let me know how you feel. Um, so for you, you are a Gemini sun with an Aries moon and it says an ad and then sorry, it says an admirable personality, quick witted, the Gemini sun, Aries moon personality masters communication and uses perception to naturally problem solve and showcase originality and effectiveness. Positives for your sun and moon combination. Very insightful and open-minded. Negatives can get distracted at times and can forget things at times. Perfect partner, someone who is gentle but also firm with them. And then word of advice for your sun and moon combination. They need to learn to tone down their impulses and not rush into things. So as I give you your positives, negatives, perfect partner and advice, what are some thoughts that come to mind? No, I think that's great. I think all that resonates for sure. I know I've worked on the forgetfulness, like I keep good notes and there's little tricks you can do to stay on task. I know I utilize little sticky notes and reminders. And so I feel like I've grown in that area (laughs) for sure. Um, to make sure I don't, I don't miss things. And like I cross T's and dot I's definitely the impulsivity. It's something that, um, I've learned to also channel that I do have an immediate yes or no to things. And I've learned to just, you know, I can, I can hold off a little bit with my yes and allow some time to unfold and, or not, and just learning how to, yeah. So I think it's spot on. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And uh, and Lisa, I'll, if you want, I can send you the link once we're done recording and yeah, you can get a that. more like, deep read and stuff. But it's really cool at the end of the day. Again, I, I really like astrology and all that fun stuff. Um, but Lisa, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I know you do a lot of work. I know you also do a podcast. I know you've written a book that we talked about. Where can everybody check out your work? That's awesome, Josh. The number one place is through my website, which is NOLA therapy.com. It stands for New Orleans, Los Angeles, therapy.com, N-O-L-A, therapy.com. And I'm also NOLA therapy on Instagram and Facebook and on YouTube. And I'd love to connect with your audience and even offer them half off a session if they're a first time client to do a remote session for therapy as you're, and they just need to mention you or your podcast. Oh, that's awesome. And and Lisa, I'll make sure to put all the links in the show description. And I also will put that note in as well. So that's really cool as well. So listeners, you get half off your first session. So that's great. 
Thank you, Josh. You're awesome and very insightful. Of course. And and Lisa, I want to say again, thank you for a wonderful conversation and please stay safe. You too. Your clients are going to be lucky to have you. 